Welcome to Ultiverse Q, your guide to the ultimate universe. Now in podcast form. <laughs> I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week we're back with the Ultimate Mutants, the X-Men, as we cover... Ultimate X-Men number 7 through 20? Yeah, we're covering a bunch of issues because, like, sometimes when we cover that many issues, it doesn't seem like a lot. Like, there was not a lot of uh, depth to the uh, Spider-Man issues that we covered last time. And then sometimes we cover these and it's like, oh, no, it's Michael Millar, so he's putting in a bunch of stuff there. Hell yeah. So the first arc we're going to be covering is numbers 7 through 12, known as Return to Weapon X, which was written by Mark Millar. And there's a few team of artists on there. So pencils were by Adam Kubert, Tom Raimi, and Tom Derenick, with inks by Art Taber, Scott Hanna, Joe Kubert, Danny Mickey, and Larry Stucker. Joe Kubert. Like the Kubert from the back of my comics telling me to join the Kubert Art School? Yes, actually. And same with the Adam Kubert. Yes. Bam, look at that. Paying attention to the ads. Yeah. But now a dinosaur is going to eat us, or undead people are going to kill us, even though we just got accepted to the Kubert School. Damn. Mm hmm. Colors were by Richard Isenov, Jung Choi, and Transparency Digital as well as David Stewart, with letters by Richard Starkings and Combacraft's Wes Abbott and Sida! Yeah, the last time that we covered it, the X-Men faced off against Magneto, and he probably died because he tried to take over the world. He vanished in a bunch of cars. He just wanted too much. Yeah, it's too much, man. It has been interesting, like, reading these X-Men comics while also uh, listening to Explain the X-Men, which is sort of in the Fatal Attractions era of X-Men in the coverage, where Magneto went back to being a full-on villain, and also keeping in mind that this was during the Morrison run of New X-Men, when Magneto was a secret spy, drug addict, and father who likes to make purple costumes for accentuating his butt hot. Yeah, might as well call an archive of her own to pose that one on there. But uh, yes, God, this is a weird one. Uh, so we start off in Finland with Nightcrawler, a Blue slash black furred demonic looking mutant with teleportation powers works to escape a mysterious facility while being watched by Dr. Cornelius and Wraith. Wraith we saw last time was part of the Weapon X program and he had a history with Wolverine. Mainly, he was an asshole to Wolverine. Mostly just a dick, but it's fine because it's Wolverine. Mm -hmm. He'll heal from it emotionally. And despite Nightcrawler's best efforts, he is ultimately captured and returned because we find out that he has been captured by Weapon X, which is also part of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I think is an <gasps> interesting idea. I agree. 
Meanwhile, Wolverine has arrived at a now-abandoned Weapon X base as he seeks revenge on Weapon X for experimenting on him with the help of Professor Xavier. Back at the X Mansion, Beast, Hank McCoy, who is currently just a big beefy boy with blue hair and Marvel Girl Jean Grey, who is a redhead... Who's 17. Yes, who is 17 and who still comes off as an incredibly weird character. Talk about how Professor Xavier keeps the mansion safe from people who might want to examine it because they make it look like a Jehovah's Witness chapter. Damn straight. And meanwhile, Cyclops, Scott Summers, who has optic glass, Storm, Aurora Monroe, who used to be a car thief and now has storm powers, and Colossus, a.k.a. Piotr or Peter Rasputin, who can turn into a big metal boy, are doing a tour in Japan where they are beloved by the Japanese population in a way that is sort of just a weird fetishization of Japanese people. Totes. Yeah. Mark Millar is weirdly horny a lot of the time in Ultimate X-Men. Mark Millar is just weirdly horny all the time. Yeah. And so as the trio of X-Men walk through the crowd, a mysterious female mutant with a streak of white hair touches Colossus as they get beamed aboard the Blackbird like they have full-on alien teleportation technology, which is a weird thing. That never gets mentioned. With sexy results. Yep. And we find out this inappropriate touching mutant is named Rogue and was able to use her powers to access Colossus's memories, which includes the location of the X-Men base, because she's working for Weapon X, who wants revenge and also to recapture Wolverine. Cyclops and Wolverine then go after a Russian mob boss who brought Colossus over from Russia to basically be muscle in exchange for helping his family. And now that... With his super dope American flag bathrobe. Yeah, there's a lot of weird American gear because later on Wolverine shows up and he's wearing an American flag bandana. Luke, this is shortly after 9-11. We, have, we had to be America all the way. I guess it is. I guess I'm sorry for not loving America enough. I guess when I order lunch tomorrow, I will have to call them Freedom Fries again. Hell yeah. I'll give you five Freedom Fries. For some America balls. Mm -hmm. Wait, what's a French ball? Or what nationality are we replacing that goes before the ball? No, the America balls. It's like, I don't know, you like your Swedish meatballs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because you know who never gets into war because they're too afraid? Sweden. Damn straight. So, uh, yeah, they make the mob boss drop the uh, threats that he has on Colossus's family, and Cyclops on the way back is like, hey, Wolverine, I don't really hate you all that much, so if you ever need the help of the X-Men, we'll give it to you. Which, considering that Wolverine came to them as a sleeper agent, who ended up turning after also hooking up with Jean Grey, who was 17. That's like a lot of growth. But on the other hand, Cyclops did go to the Savage Land to join up with Magneto's Brotherhood of Mutants and try to get a swerve on with Magneto's daughter. So, I mean, everybody makes choices in their life. 
Everyone's horny. That's my secret mutation, Devin. Except it's not a secret anymore. Outside of... Let's make everyone horny? Yep. Outside of the town, Beast and Storm are having a nice afternoon as Beast is studying and Storm is practicing flying. And Beast has some serious self-esteem issues because he does not understand why Storm is attracted to him. But, you know, some ladies like a big beefy boy. Because that Japanese pole said that she wasn't as attractive, so she's trying to go climb the ranks. Threes, you can't get with a one. <laughs> Truth. Back at the mansion, Iceman, Bobby Drake, who... Shit, what powers does Iceman have again, Devin? Uh, he has the power to make weird-looking faces and scream and then make weird white stuff come out of his hands. Oh, yeah. Ice powers. Uh, he returns home after a visit home for his mother's birthday party, and Professor X is bothered, and so he talks to Gene about the fact that Bobby bragged about being an X-Man. And Professor X phrases it like, oh, hey, Gene, I'm having doubts on whether or not it is ethical for me to wipe Bobby's memories of what he did. And then he does it anyways. Like, Gene is like, yeah, no, that makes sense. But it raises a bunch of questions. Like, is Professor X also going to wipe out everybody else's memories at the party? And what point did wiping that from Bobby's memories, like, help anybody? I agree. If anything, it's he should wipe the memories from him and make Bobby watch. Or Gene should make... Also... Or Bobby should... Also make Bobby forget. He should also make Bobby forget, or Bobby's parents forget something nice that Bobby did <laughs> as a punishment. No, no, it needs to be fair. Bobby should make Gene forget about Bobby. <laughs> Bobby should make Gene make Professor X forget about Bobby existing. And everybody else in the world forgets about the ultimate X-Men. There, that's a compromise. That's fair punishment. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's just a really weird scene. And it, like, sort of works with later on things where everybody's always like, hey, you know, we're all a bit too happy to be on this team. Do you think Professor X is, like, messing with our minds at all? No. I think it's just leaving, like, enough plausible deniability so Gene can be like, no, there was that time that we talked about wiping Bobby's mind. And he wanted my opinion, and I said there was nothing wrong with it. And that's when all the X-Men will kill Professor Xavier. The end. Charles always given speeches, and nobody cares, because he makes people forget them. That's fine, because then he, he can rehash the same material. That's why he also keeps getting invited back for, like, stand-up night. He always makes the same jokes about not actually being able to stand up. And then what's the deal with mutants? And like, it's the exact same jokes. And he wipes everybody's mind of the jokes, but then makes them think that they all really enjoyed it. But like, there's going to be the hecklers who are like, hey, your work is really, really offensive and divisive. And you need to get some better material. And he just makes them forget. Yep. We are hopped up on something tonight. Anyways, Wolverine leaves to go and hunt Weapon X while everybody else is back at the school. And Colossus asks Iceman about this girl who he talked about. And Bobby has no idea what Colossus is talking about, which 
how does Colossus know about the girl who Bobby was blabbing about? Did Professor X move the memories into Colossus's mind just to fuck with Probably. God, Mark Millar, what are you on tonight? This is like, well, maybe it's like ultimate science where it's like how matter can't just be like destroyed has to go somewhere. And the ultimate universe has the same for memories. <laughs> I'll buy it. Colossus has to remember everyone's problems. Mm-hmm. But before this conversation can get any further, Weapon X attacks with a mix of soldiers, the Juggernaut, who is a big boy with a gimp helmet, and Sabretooth. Sabretooth, who we last saw as a member of Weapon X. He was also in that one Ultimate Marvel team-up issue. He kind of sucks. Still. True. Uh, Sabretooth takes out Beast and Storm. Nightcrawler incapacitates Cyclops by sealing his visor, and Colonel Wraith is watching the entire time. Bobby tries to attack Rogue, but Rogue takes Jean Grey's powers, knocking her out, and makes Bobby relive his appendix removal without an aesthetic, which is a weird thing. And then they drag out Professor Xavier and bring the X-Men back to their base. It is a weird thing, but it was also great. Nick Fury, meanwhile, is in Delhi looking for an illegal genetics testing lab, which he finds using his super spy tech. And he keeps using a lot of bullshit, super expensive tech because it's a criticism of the war on terror until he gets captured. Weapon X is informed of this uh, after all of the other retrieval attempts by General Ross have failed. And General Ross also explains that the secret base is currently moving and Nick Fury's spy brain with all those spy secrets is on the line. Wraith, meanwhile, has been conditioning the X-Men. He brags about pretty much conditioning, aka torturing them, and this pisses off General Ross because he's like, oh, um, yeah, no, they're the president's friend. The president loves the X-Men. And Wraith's like, yeah, but now we got him and no one's going to care about what happened to Professor X. And Listen, we got stuck with Sabretooth, who is the shittier Wolverine, which Truth. is a great line. Plus, this Wraith is not played by Will I Am. Is that a plus or a minus? Honestly, probably a plus. Not a big Black Eyed Pea fan, and that Wolverine movie was garbage. Wraith also shows that he has been experimenting on Beast with help from Dr. Cornelius and General Ross gets even angrier, especially because they don't even have Wolverine. So Ross is like, damn it, I'm very angry. Just go try and save Nick Fury. Meanwhile, in the prison cells, Rogue and Juggernaut are angry that the X-Men stopped Magneto because they wanted to go to the Savage Land and they're already pretty much deifying him. Cyclops, meanwhile, believes that the president is going to help him, but nobody else thinks so, and Gene psychically talks to Nightcrawler in his dreams because he only speaks German. But it gets really weird again because Gene, who is 17, is completely fine with being sexualized when Nightcrawler imagines her in her, like, underwear. I should clarify, now that I think about it, wasn't it 19, so it wasn't quite as weird? <sighs> I think so maybe it's weird wolverine needs to not be horny for minors or i was gonna say that's why that's why i think it's not 17 it's 19 because wolverine's not gonna go to jail wolverine's just a creep half your age plus seven was it 
Yes. Yeah, in Wolverine's uh, question. What mark? is half as old as balls plus seven? That's a singular ball, so ball seven. Ball point seven. There we go. Yeah, and they get interrupted when Beast is returned, and now he's all blue and fuzzy. The X-Men are sent to Indy in two teams, one with Beast, Sabretooth, Iceman, and Colossus, who are going to save Nick Fury, while Jean, Cyclops, Storm, and Nightcrawler are being sent to complete Nick Fury's mission to kill the scientist. And they all have bombs in their bodies that will kill them, but they don't get their job done. And meanwhile, Wraith plans to use Cerebro to hunt down Wolverine! Fury is currently captured on a train, so the X-Men work together to derail the train using Colossus and his big beefy metal body, and Beast uses his big beefy mm-hmm. muscles to save Nick Fury. But still not quite Sam Jackson, Nick Fury. No, it's more like off-brand. We can't actually use it because Tom Cruise will not let us use his likeness on anything, Nick Fury. Yeah. Yes. Meanwhile, Cyclops' team finds a massive mutant hive mind that the scientists have created, and they blow it up. And Jean and Storm are, meanwhile, ordered to kill the head doctor in charge of research. Jean doesn't want to, so Wraith starts hurting Cyclops, and she makes the choice as Dr. Atul Pandva begs for his life, mentions he has a family, and that he is an actual person, but Jean still just goes and kills him. She is not happy about it. Blah, blam. Yes. When they return, Jean refuses to talk, Iceman is having severe issues, and Colossus tries to convince him that Wolverine is going to save them all until Wolverine also shows up having been captured by Weapon X. Meanwhile, Cornelius tries to warn Wraith that despite the recent successes of Weapon X, the program will probably be shut down, but he doesn't want to listen because he plans to use Professor X to control everybody in S.H.I.E.L.D. to do what he wants. He's going to get that corner water cooler that he wanted near his office. Oh, for sure. He is going to get a hot water pot that way he doesn't have to use like the water that's been in the uh carafe things that you make coffee in because whenever he tries to use it the water just has that coffee flavor and he does not want that he ain't looking for that he is going to use that to have donut friday every day of the week It's probably because he's hoping if he gains enough fat in the face, it'll buff out the scars that he clearly has got. He is going to use that money to get himself a executive scar buffer to also buff the scars off of his face. Deaths. So we then get a flashback to 11 years ago in Kuwait with our buddy Nick Fury when in Weapon X, Wolverine was freed in an attack. Wolverine ended up uh, finding Nick Fury after killing all of the insurgents who had freed him, and Fury, who lost his eye in the scene, begs for death, but instead Wolverine returns Fury to the camp alive, collapses, and Wolverine is captured and then returned to his cage by Wraith's orders. Back in the present, though, and Nick Fury, finally getting home, finds a new message on his phone from our buddy Wolverine. Wraith then gets a fun business call about how he's going to start having budget cutbacks and he is told that Weapon X is going to be phased out in two more years and he will be expected to free and compensate every mutant who they've captured. 
and Wraith does not like that idea. He is unaware that the Ultimates are being set up right now, and so he uses Professor X to somehow explode the military base, presumably killing General Ross? Question mark? Presumably. Yeah, question mark, question mark, question mark. Sabretooth, meanwhile, brings Wolverine out into the cold with a charcoal grill and all of Wolverine's files, including everything about him from before he lost his memory, and Sabretooth lights him on fire and laughs about Wolverine's wife and Wolverine's kid who was killed. Which, I think Wolverine's kid eventually comes back and he sucks really hard and he gets involved in like the actual 616, because comics. Truth. Because comics. Mm-hmm. And as... I believe, I believe that was an... I think that's a post-ultimatum book. Yeah. Because it's pretty, it pretty late in the game. Yeah. So as this is all going on, Cornelius notes an abnormality in Wolverine, one which Wraith recognizes as a tracking device. The power goes off in the base, freeing the mutants as the Brotherhood of Mutants, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, Blob, Toad, and Mastermind appear. And they just removed all those bombs on the X-Men. And I love how Mastermind keeps appearing and he does not do shit at all. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Even though 616 Mastermind is like, in the early days of the X-Men comics, was like the most OP of all of them. Yeah, maybe we'll get to like an issue where it turns out that none of this is actually real and they are all still captured in <laughs> Weapon X. <laughs> Illusions, Michael. So with Wolverine freed, Sabretooth prepares to fight, revealing that now he has adamantium teeth and four claws on each hand. And so while they fight, the X-Men fight, and Wraith, worried about Professor Xavier getting revenge on him, shoots Professor Xavier three times in the chest and prepares to try and escape. Uh, Cornelius, realizing that, oh, the X-Men will be really pissed if we kill Xavier, teams up with Beast and they work together to save him. So Sabretooth and Wolverine, uh, so Sabretooth and Wolverine's fight keeps going on with Sabretooth ultimately trying to drown Wolverine, thinking that that'll be something that he can't recover from. But Wolverine stabs him in the nards and tosses him off a cliff. And meanwhile, Colossus wants to destroy the entire Weapon X base, Samson style, with everybody inside dying as well. But Gene works to stop him from being able to move his arms. Well, Blob is holding down Wraith's escape helicopter. Uh, Cyclops wants to kill them, but Gene wants him to all live by Xavier's dream. Cyclops changes his mind, and Storm is so angry, especially after what they did to Beast, so she uses her powers to blow up Wraith's helicopter, but not before Nightcrawler saves him, saying that he didn't want Storm to be the killer. Wraith, being a complete asshole, prepares to kill Nightcrawler anyways, but then Nick Fury shows up, murders Wraith in cold blood, apologizes, and Wolverine shows back up because he cut off Sabretooth's head, presumably, and he explains that he called in Nick Fury because Fury was the one who freed him the last time he escaped from Weapon X. So the X-Men return to their quickly rebuilt home, and Gene is like, yeah, I'm not sure how you have dealt with killing people in the past. I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with it. And Professor Xavier's like, oh, yeah, no, I never killed people, especially not Magneto. And Gene's like, say what? And that's when Charles took a nap. 
Yes, it was. Let's talk about the cover of this trade for a second, Luke. One of the most like early 2000s comics covers of all. First off, lots of CGI. Then it's also when you have Wolverine wearing multiple bandoliers with a machine gun in one hand and his claws popped in the other. Wolverine, old gun hands, gun haver. Uh, so are you ready to move on to the next story? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, did I tell you about uh, what happened last Saturday night? No. Uh, so I went to Eric Andre to see him perform. Oh, it's about how you, Eric Andre called your mom? Yeah. Is that like a bit that he does? Uh, yeah, he asks people to uh, give him their to give him their phones, and so he does autocomplete text to them. And we had gotten seated with like a random person who came in very drunk, and he was trying to get that last spot, but it turned out that he did not have autocomplete on his phone. And I was like, "Oh, I am ready, and I know my mom is online right now." So I handed my phone to Eric Andre, and before he was done sending, like, a few initial messages, like, she was already replying. And so, like, he messaged her a few more times, checked out some other phones, and then saw my mom was still rapidly responding. So he asked me for permission to call my mom. And so the first time, he pretended to be me. And she was really suspicious because she kept hearing laughter after everything that he said. And so she hung up on him. The second time he called and she was still incredibly suspicious and asked if she was being gaslighted, which the audience loved. And I love that we have taught my mom what gaslighting means. And then the third time he called and apologized to my mom, said she sounded hot. And then... Uh, He talked to my dad, asked if my dad had watched the LSU game, which he said, hell no. And then asked my dad about some really old sportsman who's on a bunch of uh, documentaries about basketball. It was very good. So. Good times, good times, good times. That's my Eric Andre story. That's a good Eric Andre story. Thank you. Up next, we have a much worse story than my Eric Andre story. I'm pretty sure my Eric Andre story would rank pretty high on the Ultiverse Q rankings. But uh, uh, up next is Ultimate X-Men, numbers 13 through 14. Thief in the Night, which was written by Chuck Austin, with pencils by Asad Ribic, inks by John Livesay, colors by J.D. Smith, and letters by Sharpbot. And I think we kind of got to explain who Chuck Austin is because we might have a lot of new people listening. Chuck Austin is a shit writer for the X-Men, who was in The Exile that we read forever ago, where he did a story called World Tour. No, he didn't do World Tour. No, wasn't he? No. No, we liked World Tour generally. Well, it's because I was going to say, because coincidentally this book is also called World Tour. Well, World Tour is the next one that Mark Millar comes back to write. 
Uh, Chuck Austin was mm. a writer who quickly went from being a nobody to being put on some of the most high-profile books at both Marvel and DC at the same time. But he made a lot of very complicated choices that he did not think out. Like he said, oh, hey, you know Nightcrawler who looks like a demon, but he's really a wonderful person on the inside? Uh, No, he's actually half demon. His dad is a demon. And also people tried... Because, yes. And also people tried to make Nightcrawler the Pope to bring on the apocalypse. Uh, This is more of a go check out Battle of the Atom thing, because I know they've done an episode on some of these stories. I will link to that, because I believe those stories are like at the near bottom of their Battle of the Atom ranking chart. Also, hi, Zach. And hi, Adam, if you're listening. So, in New York, the fonts are actively bad. Uh, Sharp Font, you did a very bad job lettering these two issues. Yeah. And Asad Ribic, you did a very bad job at being what we want out of Asad Ribic, though you don't become that for, like, another decade and a half. Yep. But then you'll go on to illustrate one of the best tie-ins or uh, crossover series Marvel has ever done. Mm-hmm. So good job for that. So a young girl sees Hammerhead, who is a mobster man with a very flat top of his head, kill her parents. Hammerhead tries to kill her too, but she escapes. She also never gets named in this entire story. So she fails like even one part of the Bechdel test, which is having two characters who are female get named. Um, Yeah. So she tries to escape, or so she escapes. Meanwhile, Gambit is being a card sharp. It's not card shark, which is apparently something different. And he is doing tricks for the public and talking in a Cajun accent. And also sometimes using his combustion powers. The young girl believes that he can do magic. And so she asks Gambit to bring her parents back to life. And Gambit using the Creole slang book that Chuck Austin has printed for these two issues uh, decides to help her even though he cannot actually do necromancy. And also she does not understand that Gambit's towers are mainly making things explode. But I want to see Magic Gambit as a miniseries or an alt-universe where Gambit basically goes to Hogwarts and fucks with everybody. Both literally and figuratively, maybe. Teen Gambit at Wizard School. Teen Gambit at Wizard School. Definitely. And he's definitely doing both. Yes. Like, he gets in because they're all amazed with his card tricks, and he's so good at them that they think it's actual magic. And and especially because he can make things explode, but they don't understand that he is actually just a mutant who has those powers, and he has very good card skills. And he gets into shenanigans. But it turns out, Devin, you know what you know what it turns out? What, Luke? The real magic is the friends that he makes there. Oh, you're right. 
so Garrett offers to help and uses her to help run cons to get some food, but she messes with the plans. Like, there's a scene where they try and steal chickens that fall off a truck, but it's like fully cooked chickens, which is really weird. That's just the magic of Gambit, Luke. And <laughs> the magic of New York City. New York, where chickens are falling off of trucks. New York, where Gambit's down on his luck. Yeah. It's a very weird issue. They also get offered a place to stay, but Gambit doesn't want to trust them. So they stay in an abandoned subway car. And Gambit's like, oh... Gambit all listen to some music. And there's a really weird bit about Gambit being really into Alison Krauss's music. And theoretically, I'm pretty sure that means that he has the Oh Brother Where Arthur He has the Oh Brother Where Arthur soundtrack on cassette tape. Like I have no idea yeah. why else he would have gotten into Alison Krauss all of a sudden. Because this would have been the year after. And it would have been, like, early enough that that soundtrack had won, like, the Oscar for Best Soundtrack. So, I also want to see Gambit in... (laughs) Silly Luke, there's no Best Original Soundtrack Award. Best Original Song. Best Original Song, brah. Fine, I want to see Gambit in Mon Cher, Where Art Thou? Which is Oh Brother Arthur with uh, Gambit. Though who would be his other two associates? Who? Because that's a tough one. They'll be getting hunted down by Bishop because he is the closest thing that he got to a mutant cop. Uh, maybe Blob because Blob is now good again. Um, oh, it's time for an X Men update. You ready for an X-Men update, Devin? Yes. People are horny for Blob now. And also, we got promised horny cops, but you know what we weren't expecting? What? A rat mom. X-Men are weird, Luke. Hi, Leah. Anyways, uh, they fall asleep listening to the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack, which is still a banger, and my dad frequently listens to that, or at least he did back before he moved out to New Mexico. And It's a good soundtrack. Yeah. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. And when Gambit wakes up, the tiny girl is missing. He breaks into a card game to try and find out what happened to her, and ultimately threatens another guy named Patch, who is a big fat guy with an eye patch, who tells him to look for Hammerhead, who works for Silvermane, and so Patch and another guy who's not happy about Patch selling out Silvermane pull guns on each other and then kill each other, which is a, just Chuck is making lots of choices here. Chuck's making lots of choices here. So many choices. So, well, it's, I mean, there's parts of it where it's like, did you decide that you were going to do um, Leon the professional, but with Gambit, because that's kind of how it feels like you're trying to have made this. Gambit wishes he was in Lucy instead. Hmm. No. <laughs> uh, so Gambit, looking for the girl who still, as I pointed out, never gets a name, bumps into Professor Xavier, who he tells off. 
and also hints that he thinks that Professor Xavier is going to molest him, which Storm gets really offended by, but it's like, Chuck Austin, seriously, dude. Look at me trying to be edgy, edgelord for life. So Gambit goes into Silvermane's office, blows up a bunch of stuff until he gets the directions that he needs, and he ends up getting surrounded by Hammerhead's men. Hammerhead says Silvermane sold the girl to Nathaniel Essex, but he doesn't believe it. Gambit starts making more explosions. He loses his shirt because of reasons and gets his ass beaten by Hammerhead, who gloats that, oh, no, the girl is actually still alive. So Gambit grabs Hammerhead's jaw and causes it to explode. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck, what are you doing, Chuck? No, you... I don't know, you say that. That's going to happen again with Wolverine in a couple issues. And again, like, 13-year-old Devin thought that was fucking great. But also, he grabs Hammerhead's jaw, but it looks like the top of his head explodes and not the jaw. Like, the jaw looks fine. Well, this one wasn't as good. Yeah. it was, the, the Wolverine one was much better. So, Gambit rescues me. Mark Millar knows... Mark Millar knows how to explode a person's body. <laughs> Mark Millar knows a lot of things. So, That's true. So Gambit rescues the girl, takes her to the people who offered a safe house earlier, distracts her by giving her a broken umbrella that he uses his powers so that it flies, and then he runs off, only to stop by later to give her an exploding heart. It's weird, Chuck. What are you doing, Chuck? It's also weird, too, because of what number these issues were, but they're also the last ones in the trade paperback. 13 and 14? Yeah, they're just presented like as a as special issues at the end. The Proteus story is what is what the book actually is. Huh. So the uh, Weapon X one is all in its own volume, and then... Yeah, it's all volume two, and then... Volume 3 was much longer, and it is... World Tour and the two... Or, and the... Uh, the one that leads up to yeah. World Tour, and then the four parts of World Tour. And then the after. The, the post... Yeah, the post-World Tour, and then special bonus feature part one. And then part two, which is the two Gambit issues. Huh. So we then have Ultimate X-Men number 15. It doesn't have to be this way. Written by Mark Millar with pencils by Adam Cooper, inks by Danny Mickey, colors by J.D. Smith, and Dave Seward with letters by Chris Eliopoulos, which, good on you for your lettering, Chris. And the framing device here is Professor X is penning an article about mutants to help promote his book on mutants by talking about the school and mutants. And there's a lot of, like, weird moments and some nice stuff. And it's a way of like reasserting the status quo, which is something that like Chris Claremont did pretty often. So I think it works here in a way uh -huh. that because of all the characters and because of how the book works, you needed like, Oh, this is what they're doing when they're not doing this. So we can do some other stuff later on. Like we get a scene where the X-Men play baseball and B says that he's going to masturbate to HBO uh, there's also a weird thing where Professor X equates music abilities to like, oh, if kids you're... won't get that reference anymore either. Uh, much like the sh 
Much like the shark at Universal for Mallrats. No one will get that beast reference. HBO was a channel that used to show softcore porn and also R-rated movies. So at night, if you wanted to see what a naked woman looked like and you had HBO, you had a chance to see that. You can still see R-rated movies, but the softcore porn is gone. Yeah. Which they made sure to inform me when I was like on the HBO Go app like a couple months ago. Oops, no porn. Basically. Ask your parents about HBO porn. If they don't want to talk to you, talk <laughs> to your other siblings. And if they don't want to talk to you, talk to your teachers. Sexual media education is a vast, just wasteland of knowledge for a lot of people. Too true. If you didn't want to have to try and find dirty images online and have your parents look up your browsing history, you used to be in danger. You don't respect the wide, wide world of horror that you have at your hands. <laughs> yeah, Professor X says that mutant abilities are like if your parents are good at playing music and then you're also good at playing music. It's weird. Uh, we also find some things like Marvel Girls is helping the police solve missing persons cases. Storm is using her powers to help farming communities. Cyclops spends his free time helping underprivileged youth. Bobby is a creep who tries to see Storm and Jean nude because he doesn't know how to use HBO. And he also gives sandwiches to homeless men who also show him pictures of nude women. <laughs> it's weird yeah. it's weird uh beast is working on open source drug patents and also he's cybering with someone and wolverine and colossus are detectives for fun which i wish we got to see more of wolverine and colossus as detectives i agree we also find out that spike lee is making a magneto biopic or biopic which Seems like Mark Millar thinks he knows what he's doing, but I don't know if he knows what he's doing there. Yeah. Unless he thinks that Spike is like Spike from uh, X-Men Unlimited, or what was the animated movie? X-Men Evolution. Yes, X-Men Evolution. Which, imagine Evan making a documentary while skateboarding about Magneto. I'd watch that. Yes. Uh, we also find out that the Brotherhood of Mutants under Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are working in alternate ways to deal with aggression towards mutants. Uh, Toad and Cyclops are good friends who like Lord of the Rings. And the last thing that Xavier reveals is that Magneto is actually still alive, but Xavier has edited his mind to prevent him from accessing most of his memories and his powers, and he believes that he is Eric Lynchier. And Xavier doesn't think that Magneto should die. There's also some weird foreshadowing where Eric's watch sometimes acts up and works like a compass, and where he thinks he recognizes Professor Xavier, so Charles just edits his mind again. Charles is super wishy-washy on, there are ethics about using our powers on other people. Oh, and we have fair when it casually suits me. And we also find out that Beast is cybering with Blob. Unknowingly, nice. yeah. 
and Xavier's article ends up not getting published because it's too mutant, because it is too pro-mutant, or I think because it's not a well-written article. <laughs> Probably that one. Like, if you read that by itself without all the additional context, it's really weird, especially when he talks about how he just has one of his kids going and giving sandwiches to random homeless people. Mm-hmm. We then move into Ultimate X-Men 16 through 19 World Tour, written by Mark Millar, with pencils by Adam Cooper, inks by Danny Mickey, art by art by Chris Bachelot, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos again. <sighs> In Scotland, the police check out a boat that came from the mutant-populated island of Muir Island. And when they go on, they find only one survivor, a professor who is currently possessed by David, a mutant who jumps out of that body into one of the rescue workers, kills the others, and then heads to Burger King. Explicitly Burger King. That sounds about right. I don't see anything wrong about that. Earlier in London, though, the X-Men... This would have been about... Because you're also forgetting, this is about the time that Burger King had just redone the fries with the new, like, recipe for it. It's where I got to meet Mr. Potato Head at the Burger King. Great time. And that's more early 2000s with with Luke and Devin. Wow. It's like we're living in the past. Yeah. But now it's the future as well. So earlier in London, the X-Men landed as part of Professor X's book tour. And the team is split up into uh, pairs. Jean and Storm are working together to stop a gun runner. While in a club in Soho, Bobby accidentally reveals that the X-Men are are there, uh, causing Wolverine and Colossus' drug sting to fall apart. And in Leicester Square... Cyclops and Beast stop a mugging. All the stories are shared the morning, and Professor X grades all of them, but because all the groups beyond Beast and Cyclops caused a lot of collateral damage, they all pretty much fail, and Beast and Cyclops get the best grade. And he's like, you got to remember not to make humans more afraid of mutants. I, I, sorry, we're talking about England, and I'm picking up an English accent, eh, Dolly? It's also probably because I'm feeling I'm feeling offended for poor Andrew might be listening to this episode. Oh, Andrew, if you're listening to this one, call blimey, call me a peacock and shove a chimney sweep. Or have a bite on the scone and then take a kiss at the queen. Well, she's a real language. The only Welsh person that I know is now a far-right neo-Nazi conservative and should be uh, appropriately judged. Christian Bale? Is Christian Bale Welsh? Yeah. No, uh, Akira the Don, the uh, Welsh rapper who I used to work with. Yeah, we had him on our show. Yeah, yeah. Since then, um, he started making mixtapes using a lot of Jordan Peterson quotes treating Peterson like he's a 
like actual source who you should listen to instead of um like sixth grade health and personal care tips combined with white nationalist uh ideology who's jordan peterson uh he's a he pretty much says uh he's one of those people who's like women are inferior to men here's scientific proof here's also semi-magical proof and also uh men he's a white nationalist He's a shitty internet gotcha. boy who makes a lot of money by being a shitty internet boy. That's a shame because Akira the Don was pals with my favorite Arquette, David. Yeah, and he is also friends with Grant Morrison, but apparently going out to... Whatever, I don't care about that. It's all about <laughs> Deputy Dewey from all the Scream movies. So as they go to their next conference... Colossus vanishes and they are worried about him. But before they can do anything else, Moira McTaggart calls to say that Professor X's son, with her, David, has escaped. So the X-Men go to Muir Island, which was set up as a mutant hospital to help those who can't really function in regular society to either train them or to contain them. And Moira explains that she and the professor were previously married for 15 years and... She is financed by the same people who are mysteriously financing the X-Men, which I forgot was a thing. Like, I do not yeah. remember who's actually financing the X-Men. Is it maybe S.H.I.E.L.D., weirdly enough? I don't remember. Potentially. So a few years ago, David's powers activated, which caused his body to destroy itself, so they kept him sedated for a while but he woke up and now he can swap bodies, but he is running them down. The X-Men are joined by Strike agents Di Thomas and Colonel Brutzi Braddock of the side division of Strike, which Strike is pretty much British shield. And I forgot, and like the last time I read this, I had no idea who Di Thomas was, but because X-Plain the X-Men has been covering Excalibur, I was sad to see what happens to Di Thomas. Kevin? Yes. He's going to Thomas. Is he going to die? Well, that was what people would expect me to say, so I tried to switch it up by saying he's going to Thomas. Look at Luke. Cleverest of men. (laughs) (laughs) So, Charles tracks David to Aberdeen, finally breaking out of his stupor, and they go to find Proteus, a.k.a. David, in the Burger King where he has killed everybody else. He immediately tosses Professor from his chair and comes out possessing Wolverine and reality-bending powers. He knocks out Beast and Iceman, but Storm and the telepaths come in and try and stop them, so he runs away in Wolverine's body, and switches into a trucker's body who drives his truck over Wolverine, which, because it's still early Wolverine stuff, means that he is going to be feeling that. Meanwhile, in Russia, Cyclops and Jean are going after Colossus, who quit the team because they need him to help retrieve a stuck submarine. They talked about how Wolverine seemed to want Jean and Scott to go on this mission together, which, once again, Wolverine is being a nice guy here, even though Scott has issues talking about how he feels. 
And then they find Klausus, and Klausus is like, get out of here. Betsy finds the wreck where Proteus lost control of the truck driver and escaped, and so she calls the X-Men and Moira in, and a still-recovering Wolverine warns that David wants to kill Professor Xavier. Bum, bum, bum. So Cyclops and Jean try to convince Colossus to help, but he mentions that the Ultimate should do it, which we'll be covering that team next week. Well, not next week or next episode, but the next Ultiversal Q. Uh, Colossus explains that uh, because he has the option to live without using or needing to manage his powers, he wants that life because he has that option. Meanwhile, the X-Men go to Berlin chasing David with some promised help coming from a S.H.I.E.L.D. team uh, with Betsy leading them, and Moira realizes that David seems to be heading to where Charles and David were on their last family vacation. Betsy asks if Xavier plans to help his son, and Charles believes that he could be a hero. We get a bit more background where you find out that Charles and Moira got married very early on. She helped him build Cerebro, and then Magneto showed up, got Charles's attention, so he gave less attention to David before he left and got crippled by Magneto and started up the X-Men. And Xavier regrets not being there for his son, but it's more because it's like his dog has pooped all over the apartment and he wishes that he had taken the time to stop his dog from pooping all over the apartment. Not because he actually wanted to spend time with his dog or his son in this case. It's true. Yeah. Xavier's an ass. He should he should have tied his son outside. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Ultimates are too busy to save the sub and Gene and Scott try to convince Colossus to help and he mentions how Magneto isn't actually dead. And Scott and Gene don't really comment on that at all. And Colossus brings up how they don't know him. And in the first of several bad clues about Colossus being gay, what is his favorite show, Devin? Will and Grace. Yeah, 2000s. Poor Colossus, I thought you would have better taste. Ultimately, though, Colossus, uh, at home with his family, sees the news about uh, the like families of sailors who are stuck on the sub, and presumably because it is interrupting Will and Grace, he goes to help them, and he ends up saving the sub. Dharma and Grace was Dharma and Greg was the superior show. But what is a Dharma without a Greg? You don't watch Monster Factory. Truth, I don't know what the hell that was. There's a Monster Factory thing that they do uh, called Monster Factory Sweeps Weeks where they download a bunch of Sims families based on TV casts. And so they try and see what would happen with Dharma if they removed Greg. She throws a party. It's good. Poor Greg. He comes back at the end. (sighs) So... Charles and Betsy Braddock share a night in the park and Charles reveals that he knows that David has possessed Betsy ever since she found the car wreck slash he found the car wreck. And so David is Betsy killed Die Thomas. So Die Thomas is Thomas uh, pretended to call the ultimates and shield and has been pretty much waiting to improve his power control and now plans to get his revenge on Xavier. 
So Storm Daddy Charles. Daddy Charles. Storm, meanwhile, wonders if Professor X is manipulating the X-Men, considering how much their lives have changed and how happy they are being X-Men. Well, they are found by David, who ends up changing Betsy's body into sort of like a weird Scott McFarland-esque creature with nails in its head and chains, and it's it's a weird look. It's a very, like, it would not work if not for Chris Pachalo drawing it. Oh, the truth. Yeah. Uh, Wolverine tries to drive a car into him, but David is easily able to stop it. And he pushes Xavier to try and lead the team since he's been using Betsy's powers to keep Xavier out of his mind. David tries to tempt Beast by making him beloved, but Beast rejects the offer. And David's like, yeah, I was just messing with you, mate. And Beast gets knocked out. He goes to attack Cyclops next. But Cyclops takes him by surprise, and Xavier tries to use Iceman to attack, but Iceman gets brutally injured. So David starts teleporting his parents around the world to major cities and killing hundreds of people, and then, like, thousands of people, until Betsy starts to regain consciousness inside for reasons. And she weakens him enough that Betsy asks to be killed. Charles doesn't want to do so. So Colossus smashes him after Betsy was able to sort of undo the damage. And Iceman falls unconscious. So they meet a few weeks later at Betsy's funeral and Xavier feels like his dream is dead because he was careless. Especially because Bobby has been taken out of the school and so he plans to shut it down. Shut it down now. Shut it it down. Shutting it down. Which brings us to our final story, Ultimate X-Men number 20, Resignation. Which, do you ever think Kanye is going to come out with an album called Resignation? Sometimes I feel like he needs to at this stage in the game. He makes a lot of poor choices. He's no longer fun crazy, now he's just scary crazy. Now he's just rich crazy. It was he was by. always rich, crazy, but he was like fun, crazy. Where's George Bush? I doesn't care about black people, crazy Kanye. That's what I miss. Now I turn to Elon Musk for his weird 420 jokes. That That's what I now live for, for that fun, crazy celebrity style. Devin, you can pick better celebrities. Elon Musk sucks and he's bad. He's fun, crazy, though. He's homophobic crazy and also he is an idiot yeah the idiot part's great i didn't know it was homophobic oh yeah like when he said that submarine diver was going to go and molest those kids oh yeah the pedophile thing yeah that yeah was, that was bad yeah like don't go and uh liking elon musk he's a garbage person also, don't go into liking Joe Rogan. I, I'm pretty sure you're safe from not being into him. But you know who you yeah. should be a fan of, Devin? Who, Luke? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, you're right. Who now goes by Adam X, the Extreme. Uh, Ultimate X-Men number 20 was written by Mark Millar with pencils by Adam Kubert, inks by Danny Mickey, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. 
when the X-Men fight the Acolytes in New Zealand, Xavier is penning his resignation letter, essentially saying that he failed, his dream is over, and he is going to undo the box that he put on Magneto, the man who killed hundreds of thousands and planned to destroy the entire world. Meanwhile, Wolverine and Colossus discuss how the Acolytes they found left the Brotherhood of Mutants because they didn't think Magneto's kids were properly following his legacy. Charles goes to meet Eric Lynch here, Magneto's personality, and mentions how he is going to close the school, which shocks Eric because he's like, yeah, no, you, you did some things wrong, but it's not your fault. And Xavier sees the fact that they had to kill David as proof that Magneto was right. Meanwhile, Beast and Storm are working on the Danger Room, but Beast is worried that Storm was just made to fall in love with him because he cannot understand that some people like their boyfriends to be big and thick and round because they get that big, thick, and round personality. Mm, 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 mm. Eric points out that Magneto had a less progressive mindset and it was more gut reactionary and that the Brotherhood has now taken to following Charles' ideas now. But Charles feels empty and he doesn't think that he can be emotionally available. And he says that he didn't cry at his son's funeral and that nobody wants to hear him. But then Eric's like, but then why did I buy these tickets to see you talk at Madison Square Garden? And then he hugs the professor. And the professor uh, got his groove back. Also, Jean and Cyclops go to the hospital and they see Bobby, who is unconscious in the hospital. And they decide to talk about feelings and make out. And Xavier decides to keep the school open. The end. Yeah. So I put a call out for questions and I got some bad news, Devin. What's that, Luke? Uh, the question that we got from Xavier Files that we actually got a few uh, follow-ups and responses to. Uh, that question deals with stuff that hasn't happened here yet. Uh, dealing with Betsy Braddock, who uh, you might also know as Psylocke. But that <sighs> stuff doesn't happen here. So we're just going... Do tell. We will, eventually. But for now, it's time to go to Ultiversal Q Rankings. Are you ready, Devin? Let's do it, Luke. I'll put a link in the chat. So this week, we are going to be putting five stories on the list. Return to Weapon X, Thief in the Night. It doesn't have to be this way. World Tour and Resignation. And I feel confident putting the one-shots up because they are different and comparable to each other. And we also have some other one-shots on. Agreed. So, so currently our list is 17 items with Ultimate Spider-Man Learning Curve at the top and Ultimate Marvel Team Up Spider-Man Daredevil Punisher at the bottom. It's going to get a lot worse. How worse, Luke? Listen, Devin, I promise it is going to get much worse, and that is my ultimatum. Hoo-hoo. Yeah. Thank you for that high five. You're welcome, Luke. (laughs) So up first we have Return to Weapon X, which... uh, It's a good... It's a very well-told story. It's not necessarily what I want out of X-Men. 
Yes. Uh, I think it's better than the Tomorrow People. Probably better than that Marvel team-up X-Men vs. Spider-Man, but I don't think it's as good as uh, the first arc of uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Agreed. So our new number five is going to be Ultimate X-Men Return to Weapon X. We then have Teeth and Denied, which is a story that makes a lot of choices. Uh, I I feel like it would go right under Shang-Chi, right above the Doctor Strange. Yes. Because Doctor Strange had that really weird choice of, oh, you know normal Doctor Strange? Uh, well, that is Ultimate Marvel Doctor Strange's dad, pretty much. That's his papa. But his son is not given any actual development to be different. Nope. We then have, it doesn't have to be this way, the one where Bobby is trying to see people naked and Beast is cybering online and we had to talk about HBO porn. Um, Our new number one pick. It doesn't <laughs> have to be this way. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it's definitely above the half issue because the half issue is sort of a mess. Uh, yeah. Is it better? I think we get a lot more character moments than we necessarily got in Tomorrow People. I would agree with that. Uh, I I think it's also better than Spider-Man and X-Men, so it would go right under Return to Weapon X. Yes. Uh, we then have World Tour, which like has some interesting stuff. I like uh, World Tour. It's some fresh takes on ideas, but also I think parts of it, even though it's only like four issues, it feels like it drags on or could be a bit clearer. And there's just a lot of stuff that happens that we don't see. Fair. Like, I I, I think maybe right under tomorrow, people right about the half issue. Yeah. And then last, we have Resignation. The one where Professor Xavier is saved by getting his ego stroked by his arch nemesis, who he has mind wiped. Yeah. Um, Fun fact, that's how you learn out. Charles sells all his tickets to Madison Square Garden. He just keeps erasing Eric's brain. And Eric's like, I should buy those tickets. <laughs> And I'll buy some for my friend Michael Astermind and <laughs> Missy Teak and Beal Obson and Toad. Toad doesn't get a poorly constructed nickname. And also Wolverine's wife and kids. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think Resignation has some interesting ideas approaching the failures and i think it's told a bit more competently than like some of the ideas were addressed in world tour yeah no, i agree uh i kind of want to put this right under it doesn't have to be this way and above spider-man and x-men yeah it sounds good to me luke so our new number seven is resignation and devon well, Luke, what we are covering next week on 
a special episode of Multiversal Q, specifically not Ultiversal Q. What, Luke? Captain Marvel. <gasps> Is that because she has a hit new film coming out? Probably. Dang, yo. Dang. And uh, then when we get back to uh, our next Ultiversal Q, which will be the week after that, uh, Captain Marvel is going to be going up on Thursday. Uh, we are going to be covering the Ultimates and Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 4 Legacy, which got that Green Goblin coming back. What? Yeah, and you also know how we uh, we had so much fun with all those Marvel team-ups that we read? Yes. We're also going to be covering Ultimate Spider-Man Super Special, which is pretty much that, but for a supersized issue. So, lots of good things coming forward. Super good things. Mm-hmm. But speaking of super good things, Devin, it's Girl Scout cookie season. Yeah, but on the bad news, they upped that price to $5 a box now. Uh, that sucks to be wherever you are. And speaking of other bad things, Devin, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me <laughs> online at FredoFett, that's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And Luke, how much are the cookies where you live and where can people find you? Uh, 3 to $4 a box still. I bought $24 worth of cookies. And you can God find me on Twitter at, at Coltreg, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. And uh, if you enjoy this podcast, you might also want to check both of us out on the Exiled Podcast at exiledpodcast.com. You can also see me running the RPG Pals podcast, updating the 1st and 15th of each month at rpgpals.club. And also, maybe John Wiki will get back soon. We probably should get some episodes out because that third one is coming out. But uh, Devin... If people want to see image galleries and our Ultiversal Q rankings and our Multiversal Q rankings, where can they go? Yeah, you can find us online at the Twitter, on the Facebook, on the podcast, Stitcher, Podomatic, or on MultiversalQ.com. Yep. Or at UltiversalQ.com, which redirects you to specifically the Ultiversal Q episodes. Neat. Uh, yeah, yeah. We got some good stuff coming up this week. We got some great stuff coming up this month. And we got some stuff to put a smile on your face. So we will catch you next time on the flip mode. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Peace. Peace.